This is Football Social Daily. Ding dong, Cooper is gone. The Nottingham Forest boss fired with his side one place above the relegation zone. But is it smart or is it stupid from the Forest owner? Place your bets. Is it a gamble to turf out someone the fans loved for former Spurs coach Nuno Espirito Santo? And do we file last night under typical Everton? Quarterfinals of the Carabao Cup. Last season at Goodison Park, a penalty to win it in front of the Gladys Street. And Onana goes and does that. We're talking about that terrible penalty miss on today's Football Social Daily, as well as some of the other EFL Cup action from last night. My name's Niall McCorn. Welcome to the show. And joining me, as always, Joel Tudor and Marley Anderson. Morning, boys. Morning. I was just going to say, you know what? I'm going to commend Marley today. He's as sick as a duck. He's showing up after Newcastle got beat last night. Didn't have to. So I just let's let's applaud Marley, even you, though he has to you be there. Done this. You'd have been yes, wrapped up in bed going, oh, oh, I've got a snotty nose. Oh, my commitment to this podcast is, you know, un- unhinged. More pressing matters. I've never heard of anyone being sick as a duck before, but you know, sick as a duck. Yeah, Joel's uh, Joel's metaphors need work, don't they? We didn't send him on a metaphor course because that just doesn't make sense. Who, who says you can't create on the spot? <laughs> I was also going to say as well, this is a great episode for Marley because he can yet again dig into another Onana. I can. Yeah. Unbelievable. It's just it's his perfect date again. I quite I quite liked him before last night, and then I thought, oh god, yeah. The penalty was a dribble, wasn't it? An absolute dribble. Dreadful is what it was. That's what I, I really describe it as. Because I did see Kieran Trippier miss the goal from 12 yards, so I don't know what's going on with him right now. But <laughs> yeah, he had a nightmare, didn't he, I Kieran Trippier? I think I'd Trippier. rather miss the, miss the goal than do what Onana did, to be fair. Well, we'll talk about the Everton game against Fulham and Newcastle's late heartbreak against Chelsea on today's podcast. But first, Marley, the throat. I feel like you sound less Sean Dyche today than you did yesterday. Do you think... <laughs> until Sorry. you said that until Just, that very moment <laughs> that's what it is I, I don't know what I'm going to sound like until I open my mouth like I was on a work call yesterday and I didn't speak for about 20 minutes and then I unmuted my mic to speak and then I just sort of went and I was like Sorry, everyone. <laughs> yeah, it's a good job the World Darts Championships is on because Russ Bray. you get a job as like Russ Bray, the darts yeah, yeah. Well, darts. He's retiring, isn't he? So I'm going to have his job next uh, next year. This is his last tournament, Russ Bray. You can step so. in and replace him. Now, listen, nobody wants to be ill over Christmas, but if you do find yourself tucked up in bed, Marley, then why not get yourself on Netflix from not the UK, but some of the other countries around the world. A lot of stuff's geo-blocked these days, and there's a great way to get around that, and that's by getting Nord. VPN, And we can give you a discounted NordVPN subscription by using the link nordvpn.com forward slash FSD. You get four extra months on top of your deal so you can keep yourself safe online this winter. And of course, check out some of the Geoblock stuff, including Premier League coverage or football content from other countries that you can't get in the UK by clicking that link nordvpn.com forward slash FSD. And of course, it's risk free as well. So give it a try. And if you don't like it, you'll get your money back thanks to Nord's 30 day money back guarantee. And we'll stick the link nordvpn.com forward slash FSD in the description of this episode as well. All right, then let's talk about the big news in the Premier League today. Steve Cooper has been sacked by Nottingham Forest. The club are one place above the relegation zone. They're on 14 points, but that is a five-point buffer 
to the three sides in the drop zone below them, Luton, Burnley and Sheffield United. I'll come to you first, Marley, because I distinctly remember, it's almost etched into my brain, the look on your face when we were talking about Steve Cooper the other day and the fact that he might be under pressure. You said, and I think I'm going to quote you directly here, Marinakis, the forest owner, is itching to sack Steve Cooper. Well, that itch has now been scratched. Yep, he wanted to do it last year, if you remember. Um, there was, I mean, you always know when someone's going to get sacked, don't you, before it happens. And he was going to get sacked next year, and the fans basically put a bit bit of a mutiny on and were like, do not sack him, we're not doing that bad. We don't expect to do much better with the squad that we've got and with the talent at his disposal. Um, and in the end of the at the end of the day, I think he he ended up um, sacking the sporting director guy who was who was in charge of signing the players, um, and then giving uh, Steve Cooper a, what was essentially a token um, five year contract, knowing full well that it doesn't matter what what contract he gives him because if he wants to sack him, he'll sack him. And I just feel it was one of them where he he wants to just wait until the. Until the fans might just about be okay with with um, him sacking Cooper, uh, I don't think the fans are there. But I think they had, that air of inevitability was was there for a best part of a year now. Uh, and unless Forrest did something crazy like go into December in ninth, eighth, tenth, whatever it may be, um, that was always going to be the case. And he's he's finally pulled the trigger. I can't stand the decision. Um, I think Maranakis is is out. I just I can't imagine anyone worse to 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 work for. To be honest, um, he has his own ideas. He's very egotistical. It's absolutely what you don't want from a boss. How can you have um, any confidence in in what you're trying to do when he's your boss? And he, if he has, if he gets an idea in his head, you know he's right and everyone else is wrong. Um, but Cooper's Cooper's took it incredibly well. I mean, the it, the professionalism from him is is insane. Because um, I'd be I'd be fuming. I'd be burning his office down and all sorts. But it it is what it is. That is Steve Cooper. He's a classy classy man. Um, and ultimately, Steve Cooper is a coach. He coaches players. He doesn't buy players. It's the way Forrest worked was you buy me the players and I'll coach them. And I don't think there's enough in Forrest's squad to be anywhere maybe a couple of places higher but they're not they're not massively underachieving in my opinion i don't look at their squad and go they should be better they should be flying in 10th 11th or whatever yeah they're think, not a top 10 premier league side are they no i just just think that the bang average and i think that comes down to the sporting directors um the model of the club they're going out and signing random players like you know, Murillo and Aurier and, you know, they, they spent a lot of money on Sankare from PSV and he hasn't really done Jesse much. Lingard was there last Lingard, season. Yeah, Lingard on 80 grand a week on, on you know, no no transfer fee or whatever. The only decent business they've done, I think, is uh, probably Gibbs White. Um, yeah, so you think was, Cooper's was, basically paid for the fact that it's been poor in the transfer market? I think so, yeah. I think I think he'll coach players to to where they should be. And I just don't. I look at the squad, and I don't think it's very good. I look at that Murillo, the centre back, and he looks, he looks okay at times because he does flashy stuff and he, he goes running. And then you think I'd rather a guy who can defend better than he can, rather than go dribbling into midfield, playing one twos and then shooting or whatever. It's. I just think there's a lot of holes in that squad, a lot of quality lacking, and that doesn't come from Cooper. We saw a video from the 
away end at Craven Cottage a couple of weeks back, Joel, when Forrest had just been beaten 5-0 by Fulham. And the fans were behind Steve Cooper. He went over and held his hands up almost in apology to those travelling supporters that had just seen their side take an absolute beating. And yet on social media, the narrative was very much, thanks for everything you've done, Steve. But maybe that comes from more of a place of the fans know what the owner is like rather than they want to see the back of Steve Cooper. Yeah, exactly. I think looking at the reports that have been coming out this morning, um, especially from The Athletic, it's pretty damning of the situation where they basically suggest that everyone inside the club or who have knowledge of what's going on are quite amazed that he's lasted this long and that there was tension arising behind the scenes and they didn't see eye to eye and it was ultimately just a broken relationship. So from that viewpoint, it does seem like the writer was on the wall for quite a long time now. And I think the owner was just waiting for a moment where it didn't look like he was executing him even though he's doing well in the league, for example, and the fans would almost take offence to that. Of course, the fans are going to be really disheartened because Cooper's been in the trenches with them. He's taken them up to the Premier League for God knows how long now. Of course, they're going to be super annoyed at it. But when you look at Nuno, and I know we'll talk about it in a sec, but I don't see it as such an awful acquisition because you also have to look at Nuno's CV compared to Cooper's and in in all honesty objectively speaking it's better because he did the exact same thing as Cooper in terms of taking Wolves up then back-to-back seventh place finishes quarterfinal of the Europa League and made that Wolves side a pretty strong side I know it inevitably started to collapse but he he spent money though to get Wolves up the difference between Cooper is they were they were stone dead bottom of the championship after I think it was seven or ten games or something uh, when Cooper came in to Forest and he coached them up the league uh, everyone was surprised. That's why they had to go and spend so much money because they, they didn't spend to get to the Premier League. They coached their way th- into the playoffs and then won the playoffs. Whereas Santo was always a better manager than Wolves coming in from Porto and whatever. And then they they you know they got the little George Mendes book of black book of Portuguese players, signed Neves, signed Moutinho, signed, you know, all these players, Rui Patricio, for example, and all them. So it's it's a little bit different, but you know, I, I don't think Santo will last a year, to be honest. I think sooner or later, you're going to butt heads with Angelos Marinakis and he's got a big fat head, so you're, you're losing. Well, we'll talk about Nuno Espirito Santo shortly, but I did want to focus a bit more on Cooper before we do. You mentioned what he did at Forest. You're right. He went into Forest when they were in the relegation zone in the championship and in the same season got them into the playoffs and back into the Premier League, as Joel says, for the first time. I think maybe in 30 years, something like that. And when you first come up to the Premier League, you do need to establish yourself. And this is just Nottingham Forest's, I think, second season back in the top flight or third season back in the top flight. So it's going to take a bit of time for them to gain a level footing. They are five points clear from relegation at the moment, but they're just a place above it, Marley. And they've lost five of their last six games. One of those was a 5-0 defeat to Fulham. So when you think about what Joel says which I think is a really interesting analogy, which is that Marinakis was ready to execute Cooper and he was just waiting for a slide in form for that to happen. Well, that slide in form has come. So can you understand any commentary or narratives around the fact that Forrest are in bad form so it's understandable that they've made a change? I do get that they're not playing very well, but I'd probably counter that by saying most teams in the bo- who finish in the bottom half of the Premier League quite regularly go five, six, seven games without winning. 
Um, and then they'll win two or three on the spin and everything's rosy. And they put a nice big seven or eight point gap between themselves and whoever is in the bottom three. Like If you look now, I mean, it's, it, I think this is going to be the deadest relegation fight ever. Because those three, I, I just can't see them getting out of it. Luton, Sheffield United and Burnley just look way, way off anyone else. Um, and, you know, losing to Fulham, you know, Fulham went and won back-to-back games 5-0. Um, and one of them was Forest, And then they come and get whacked 3-0 at St. James's Park, which is like, you know, the the strange form of teams in the bottom half of the Premier League. Like, it can happen. Um, and I think as soon as, you know, that fifth goal, I think it was it after the third goal against Fulham, uh, Marinakis left. And from then on, he's been talking to Nuno and he's he's been making phone calls and he's made his decision, basically. Um, and that's that's football. It's sad, but that's that's football. Steve Cooper will be back and he'll get a better job than Forrest. I can see him getting... I can see him getting Burnley. Um, I can see him getting... Well, maybe not Luton, because they'll stick with Edwards um, and Wilder's still at Sheffield United. But I can see him, I can see him getting Crystal Palace. Easy. You know, if Crystal Palace finally set Roy Hodgson into retirement, um, I could easily see... <laughs> again. Yeah, again. Uh, I can easily see Steve Cooper going in there and doing a really bloody good job because he's, there's young talent at Palace. And he he's, you know, I think he won the um, the under-17s World Cup with England. That's where Cooper made his made his name sort of thing, working with young players. Him for Eberechieze and Michael Alise and um, a few others that they got there. They had a, I forget the kid's name who came on at the weekend, but he was brilliant. Um for, for Crystal Palace, I could easily see that happening and and being uh, being better off for it. So you know he'll be back and he'll be fine. And maybe a bit more stability in terms of player turnover at a place like Crystal Palace. But the amazing thing thing for me was that Cooper's only been in charge for two years. And as you mentioned, you know taking Forest from bottom reaches of the Championship to Premier League survival in that space of time is an exceptional achievement. So credit to Steve Cooper. And you basically already answered my question, which was going to be, will he get another Premier League job in the future? I think you've already summed that up quite nicely. Yes, I think he will. The more I think about Cooper at Crystal Palace, the more I want to put money on it. I do not think that just makes so much sense. We'll see. We will see indeed. But after the break, we're going to talk about his successor, Nuno Espirito Santo, as Cooper becomes the second managerial casualty of the season after Paul Heckingbottom at Sheffield United was replaced by Chris Wilder. We've got another former Premier League coach back in the top flight again as Nuno takes charge at the city ground. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. 
This is Football Social Daily, an award-winning Premier League podcast. Welcome to the show. If you like what you hear, hit subscribe or follow, and that way you won't miss an episode of the podcast. Again, my name's Niall, Joel and Marley are with me. And the big news this morning in the Premier League is that yesterday, Steve Cooper was sacked by Nottingham Forest. Forest is 17th, one place above the relegation zone. And they've turned to former Wolves and Tottenham boss Nuno Espirito Santo to take the reins, Joel. The interesting thing with Nuno Espirito Santo is, as you mentioned before the break, he's got experience managing in the Premier League, managed Wolves to back-to-back seventh-place finishes and managed them to promotion from the Championship. How do you think that he'll do at Nottingham Forest? Yeah, as a side note, I was recently on Twitter and there was a a video that someone posted of Samir Nasri scoring like a weaving goal in the Champions League against Porto and Nuno was in net. I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw it. I was thinking, how how has this even happened? How is he suddenly an old manager? And uh, a few years ago, he was this agile goalkeeper for Porto. I was, I was really terrible like, goalkeeping, by the way, as well. <laughs> it was awful. Terrible. It was awful. Great goal by Samir Nasri, by the way. Um, I think with this, like I said just before, with this acquisition, it is. I think the owner trying to raise expectations. Don't get me wrong, I have sympathy for Cooper because let's not forget, as soon as they got promoted, he literally had to sign a good 25, 30 players. I mean, for anyone, you look at Mauricio Pochettino right now, it's not the easiest task regardless of the quality. I mean, Pochettino's got how many new players? Probably the similar amount, 25, 30 players, and he's still trying to get a tune out of them even now. So even for Cooper, it's such a difficult task. But the way I see Nuno at the moment is almost in the same category as Graham Potter in terms of the fact that he was at a club that he almost had a real hand in. He had a lot of control over and he made them a really stable club. And then the minute he got taken to the next level, the next big job, Potter with Chelsea, Nuno with Spurs, it just felt like one step too far and then they've had to drop down, almost bring back that reputation that they had previously before they took those big jobs. And I just think with Nuno and the fact that the owner is pumping in a pretty decent amount of money now into the squad, I don't know how the dynamic is going to work because like Marley just said uh, just before that Nuno probably had a really, really good relationship with the hierarchy in Wolves in terms of the Portuguese element. And I think it worked perfectly. I don't know how it's going to work at Nottingham. I don't know if any manager can work at Nottingham under this kind of regime. But, you know, you've got Morgan Gibbs-White. He's worked with him at Wolves. I think there'll be a really good partnership going forward. I think he'll be central to his plans. And I just think for Nottingham, I don't see it as this detrimental change, to be honest. It's going to take a lot to win the fans over because Cooper, like I said, he's in the hearts of them incredibly. They'll probably end up making a stature of him. He's that much well thought of over there. But I would give him a chance because let's not forget, Spurs was a step too far and I know he didn't succeed there. But judging on his Wolves situation, he did well. Let's not forget that Wolves team was very, very tough to beat. One of the most tough teams to beat in that league at the time. So let's see how it goes. I don't want to start criticising him and killing him now just because Cooper's gone. But you know what? He is a good manager at the end of the day and he's proven that in both the Championship and in the Premier League. So I'm waiting to see how he does. Well, that's interesting, your take on Nuno Espirito Santo because... Marley, I know you're not as convinced. It didn't work for Nuno at Tottenham. He's recently been sacked by Saudi Pro League club Al-Itihad. That was his last job. So is there anything that makes you think he's the right man to come in and take Forrest forward? Um, I don't don't think he's a terrible coach. I just think when you're starting off on this sort of back foot where nobody really asked for you, nobody really wanted you, I just think that can be 
uh, a bit of an issue. Um, he clashed with some big personalities, I think, at, at he had. He actually did quite well. I think they won the um, the league, whatever whatever it is. I don't even know how. Yeah, is that, did they win that? I think they did. Oh, he won the Saudi Super Cup. Uh, and then he won... Then he won the club's first league title um, in 14 years. You can tell I'm reading that off Wikipedia. Um, and then, you know, then he gets sacked. I'm sure he had, there was some rumours. I mean, Al had had um, Kante, Fabinho and, um, and Benzema. And I think he just didn't get on with them, basically. And, you know, there's only one winner there. So I, I don't think he's a terrible manager. I just think he's not obviously better than Cooper. I don't think... Um, I can't see him lasting too long. I can't see him being the one who takes, um, you know, Forest to mid-table, sort of 10th, 11th every year. Um, so, yeah, it's just a bit of an underwhelming one all around, really. The problem is you're only as good as your last job. And, Joel, you're very rational in your point that you make about Wolves. And thinking of what he did at Spurs, that was a disaster. And he's just been sacked in the Saudi Pro League, which... I wouldn't say it's a difficult thing to do, but a coach of his calibre, you'd imagine, should be getting better results than being sacked in the Saudi Arabian League. So, as I mentioned, you're only as good as your last job. That is surely going to play into the thinking, with recency bias and all the rest of it, of the media, of the fans, and maybe even the players as well. I'm eager to see how the dynamic is, because like I mentioned at Wolves, it was a very, it's almost a Guardiola-esque setup. You know where he had his, his almost his friends, his allies above him in terms of Soriano and the Barcelona guys who he's worked with previously. And then at Wolves, he obviously had Mendes pulling the strings. And he had a lot of Portuguese contingency helping him along. And I think that helped him incredibly. Maybe that is one of the reasons why he did so well at Wolves. Now it's a completely different proposition where he's in a Nottingham system which seems a little bit conflicting internally. We've seen it with Cooper and the reports that are coming out. It doesn't seem like the easiest place to work. Obviously, he's agreed to it, so he knows what the dynamic is and he knows what he's coming into. But I just think he has a, he has decent pedigree. And that's why I'm kind of willing to allow him to see how he does with this squad. Because let's not forget as well, it's a crazy amount of new, ta new talented players that have come in. Um, I mean, when you compare Nottingham's squad from this year to last year, it's completely different. And also the fact that Taiwo Awanyi has been out for quite a while now, and he was the guy who's getting the goals for Nottingham at the start of the season. I think that's one of the reasons why Cuba's probably gone. But I think bottom line is Nottingham fans are going to be difficult to win over for Nuno, rightly so, because Cooper's been their number one for a long time now. They understand how difficult the situation is underneath the owner. But I wouldn't be too downbeat by it because it's not like he's just an unknown manager coming from Serie A playing, uh, managing Sassuolo, for example, even though that's what Deserby did and he was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> not the best example. That is a dreadful example. I yeah, know, awful example. I mean, example. that's up there in the Hall of Fame with worst <laughs> examples ever used on Football Social I Daily. I don't know why I had to say Sassuolo then because instantly Deserby clicked to my mind. But I mean, he has pedigree. That's what I'm trying to get at. Because so. a duck, isn't he, Joel? <laughs> <laughs> let's see. Let's see. Let's see what. Let's see how, how how it all plays out. As I mentioned earlier, he's only the second manager to lose his job this season. At this stage, last campaign, I think we had six or seven manager changes, Marley. But in terms of the timing of this, it's a really interesting period of the season to try and switch managers because it's Christmas and the Premier League has the Christmas schedule and 
other leagues in Europe don't. In Spain, they have a winter break. In Germany, they have a winter break. So not all coaches are accustomed to playing every two days over the Christmas period. So in terms of changing to Nuno Espirito Santo now, they've got Bournemouth at home on Saturday. Then it's away at Newcastle Boxing Day, home to Manchester United just before the new year. By this time in 10 days, we could be talking about Nuno Espirito Santo having an amazing start and picking up nine points. We could also be talking about him losing all three of those games and he's got off to a terrible start in the space of 10 days. I wouldn't put it past him to lose all all those three games. Bournemouth are probably the most, you know, one of the most informed teams in the league right now. Um, And then you've got Newcastle away. Um, I highly doubt we'll drop any points to them. This will come back to bite me when the Beatles won nil, but you know, um, and then Man United, who've you know, God knows what what Man United are going to turn up that day, but um, you wouldn't expect Forrest to go and pick up points straight away. Sometimes you see it where was it uh, Roy Hodgson when he took over from Patrick Vieira last year, and he had six absolute gimmies straight away, and he went he went six games unbeaten, um, and got Palace up the table into sort of twelfth where they always finish, um, and it was nice and easy, but. Yeah, this one's uh, this one's a bit different, but I mean, Steve Cooper getting sacked five days before Christmas, it's the best time to get sacked. You get all Christmas off, you can say nobody contact me until January, and then, you know, I'll get bored and I'll probably try and work again. Um, and then, you, you know, you, you talk to Crystal Palace in January and say, right, I'll come, I'll come at the end of the season. I'll, I'll start house hunting in Bermondsey or whatever, whatever's in South London. I'm not going to lie, if I'm getting the Crystal Palace job, I'm not house hunting in Bermondsey. <laughs> it's, <laughs> that's not, it's like the only place in London you can get If you say to me South London, I say Bermondsey and that that's is it. Millwall territory, Brixton. that, mate. It's Brixton in South London as well. It is, yeah, the other, that's in the where, other direction. Uh, Dillian White's from, that's all I know. Or Derek Chisora, one of the two. There you go. That's that's my knowledge of London there. Well, David Hayes from Bermondsey, so your boxing ah. slash London knowledge seems to have a bit of a crossover there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's it. Okay, well, Steve Cooper sacked. Nuno Espirito Santo is in. We'll be watching that one with interest. And Marley was also watching the Carabao Cup with interest last night because his Newcastle side took on Chelsea. And but for a last-minute Mikhailo Mudrik equaliser and Chelsea winning on penalties, they would have gone through to the semi-finals of the Carabao Cup. So would have Everton had Amadou Onana not executed. Perhaps the worst penalty I've seen in a long time. We'll talk about both games next on Football Social Daily. This is the final part of Football Social Daily, the award-winning Premier League podcast, and we're going to talk about the Carabao Cup as there were three games last night. Two of them all Premier League affairs. The other was Middlesbrough against Port Vale and Middlesbrough convincingly got the job done over the League One side. So they're through to the semi-finals. So are Fulham after they beat Everton on penalties and so are Chelsea after they beat Newcastle on penalties. Let's start with Everton first because I said at the top of the show, I think we should file this, Joel, under typical Everton. And there's a lot of typical Everton things that have happened recently no less that 10 point deduction and then going on to win four or five games in a row to completely wipe it away but based off of the fact that they are in excellent form they have a quarter final in a cup draw which looks really open and very winnable for them they take it to penalties with a last minute equalizer they have the opportunity to win it with a final spot kick shooting into the Gladys Street in their final season at Goodison Park opportunity for silverware perhaps and Onana goes and does that what a terrible penalty and what a typical Everton moment. 
it is. I'm not as harsh on the penalty. It was poor execution. But if you think about it, people do that penalty because it's almost like a sure thing. You're waiting for the keeper to move and then you almost he just... Didn't sl- move. Yeah, this is what I mean. It's a gamble. It's a 50-50 gamble because if the keeper but, stays... But why would, you, why would you gamble 50-50 if that's the kick to win the match? You'd have to ask Onana. That's clearly his... Uh, Clearly, it works on Jordan Pickford in training, but not on not on the Fulham keeper during the game. You know, with Everton, I think regardless of the outcome of the game, and I know where you're coming from, that was, that was an absolutely amazing opportunity to get to a semi-final, potentially a final, and suddenly all of the doom and gloom that felt like it was happening just before the Manchester United game has evaporated out of the window. But I still think it has, to be honest. I don't feel like this game was the be-all and end-all of the season. Because when you look at their form at the moment, I mean, it's good enough to be in eighth position in the Premier League, which is absolutely unbelievable when you think of what's gone on at that club this season. So although it is a it is a sour taste, and I'm sure Everton fans will be thinking that was such a missed opportunity. We've seen so many times throughout the years, penalty shootouts just aren't as easy as executing it into the bottom of the corner. You have these moments where players just think of something crazy in the split moment we saw in the Euros, England against Italy. I do think it is as easy sometimes as just smashing the ball in it's the It's not. Nah, come on. Like, remember, for example, the, we've seen some of the greatest players of our time miss penalties. I mean, you look at Euro 2020 final. Uh, oh, yes, people will miss. People will miss. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, you just said it's not as easy as smashing it in the bottom corner. I think in that situation... Yes, it is as easy as smashing it in the bottom corner. Just bang it in, mate. Don't worry about doing your little hop, skip, jump, step. Just do an old school. Alan Shearer used to do it. Marley's seen it 262 times of him running around with his hand in the air. So he used to blast the ball into the net. And if he missed, he missed. But it wasn't very often. Yeah, I think we have to blame Jorginho for this, to be honest, because he brought the trend in of hopping and skipping until it didn't work in the absolute the, the biggest game of his career. The Euros, it obviously went on to win it. But yeah, with penalties, I mean, I've seen some of the greatest kickers of our time miss penalties in pressure situations. Sometimes it's very easy to say in training. I'm, I've put 20 out of 20 penalties away in training while the birds are tweeting, the rain's just trickling down and we're having a laugh with our keeper. But when there's pressure... I understand. You, you know, your mind changes, doesn't it? You, 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 your technique changes. Yeah, you kick the ball we a little saw, bit harder because of yeah, adrenaline. I understand it, all of that stuff. I mean, yeah, I mean, we saw, like, for example, the one of the ones that comes to mind is uh, Bastian Schweinsteiger against Chelsea in the Champions League final 2012. He is one of the best kickers of the ball I think I've ever seen. And yet his penalty was literally about a metre away from the middle of the goal. And he's probably thinking in his head, I usually... I usually finished these nine times out of 10. So I understand it. I have sympathy. But bottom line of Everton's season is that you got the FA Cup to come. Who knows? Maybe Onana scores the winning penalty in one of those games. <laughs> Imagine he comes and scores the winner in one of those. That would be quite a moment for you, Niall. <laughs> I do think Petr Cech being the goalkeeper in a Champions League final on your own ground is a bit different to in front of the Gladys Street in a Carabao Cup quarter final. But I do no, get more, the point you're trying to more make. Pr- more pressure at the Allianz, come on. Oh, there's no more pressure than Sully Mantari smashing it into the bottom <laughs> corner past Rio Ferdinand at Old Trafford. That's oh, what you I'm, want. I'm leaving the call. <laughs> come on, it's Christmas, man. It's Christmas. <laughs> I mean, just talking about that penalty technique and Joel says that he blames Jorginho or you can kind of pin the blame on Jorginho because of that style. We've seen Bruno Fernandes try and do that as well to varying degrees of success. I think Eden Hazard used to do it as well, actually, to a degree, run up quite slowly. Goalkeepers are obviously getting wiser to it as time goes on, Marley. 
I think there's still a place for that type of penalty. Maybe that wasn't it from Onana, but do you think as soon as the goalkeeper sees Onana running up so slowly, he knows exactly what he's going to do. He reveals his hand almost instantly in the run-up. I've never seen someone take a really slow run-up and then blast it. Like, so if you stand still, he's going to roll it one way or the other. I mean, the key is to obviously stand still, like so still, so you don't give away which way you're going to go. But, you know, when Onana sort of saunters up and then, you know, Leno's just going, all right, I'm I'm just not going to move because you'll roll it one way or the other. And I'll almost be able to react to the shot. Whereas if you're hammering a penalty, you have to guess. You have to go early. You have to guess and you have to go far because he's going to try and smash it in the corner. But with Odana, it's like, I'm going to saunter up and then, you know, I'll give him the eyes and Leno just, uh, just yeah, all right, try, try, mate. Literally just like rolled onto the ball and it was, it was daft, but it does, it sums up Everton. Like they're doing so well and then they just shoot themselves in the foot like that. It's, uh, it's typical really because they were probably one, you know, a few minutes away from, you know, a potential Carabao Cup semi-final at Wembley against Middlesbrough if they if they drew them in the in the next round. So it's uh, crazy. Would have been more typical Everton to win the penalty shootout and then lose to Middlesbrough. But <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> we'll leave that to one side for now and talk about your team who were also defeated on penalties last night. Obviously, it's been a stretch for Eddie Howe and these players with the amount of injuries that you've got and then the amount of games that you've had, Champions League, Cup matches, Premier League games, and it's just going to get more brutal over the Christmas period. Kieran Trippier looked like it was all a bit too much for him last night. This is a seasoned, experienced, international, top-class footballer we're talking about here. It just goes to show that if you go on a run of games where you're playing every week, even if you are at the peak of your powers, it can be very, very difficult. So without making too many excuses, because obviously Wilson scored to put Newcastle ahead, Madrid equalises in the last minute and Chelsea end up winning it on a penalty shootout. Is that maybe a factor in why Newcastle fell short last night for you? Yeah, I think it's just uh, it's fatigue. It's uh, you know mental fatigue as well as as well as physical fatigue. Um, you know Trippier comes on, you know gets a little bit of a rest, has to come on, makes a makes a mistake in the last minute, and you know then misses the penalty. So. Ah, it's just it's one of them things, in it? I think um, a few people getting on his back, bizarrely. I mean, think about what Trippi has done for us. He's, he's probably the most signing, most important signing since Alan Shearer, I would say. And yeah, it's just, just one of them. One of them things, I don't think we had... You know, Chelsea didn't really create that much. I think they had like 80% possession, but that was just because we were trying to see it out, as we've done in, in, in um, games this season. You know, we ground one out in Milan in the Champions League. We, we've ground out a little result here and there as well. And, you know, when Badia Shield lives up to his um, expectations and goes tripping over his own feet and we go 1-0 up after 17 minutes, it's it's game on. And that that's your game plan now, right? We're just not going to impose ourselves physically. We're just going to sit back and, and try and grind it out. And we were a couple of minutes away from going through when Trippier, instead of flicking it over his head and away, you know, for some reason, heads it back in field. It's just that mental fatigue was there. Um, Mudrick gets onto it because if there's one thing Mudrick is, it's fast. Um, and he gets there first and, you know, pokes it in. And, and then I don't think we were ever going to win on penalties. I never had the um, the confidence on penalties when um, when Trippier misses from, from 12 yards and misses the whole goal. I'm just thinking, well, there's, there's zero chance here. And then 
to make it worse, Matt Ritchie actually bangs a fantastic penalty and Petrovic flies away to his left and, and palms it away. So, yeah, just uh, sums us up that we did the hard work, beat Man City, beat Man United and go out to and bang average Chelsea. Joel, you missed your avenue there. You missed your angle of attack. That was your perfect opportunity to say, see, power isn't everything. <laughs> a wise man once said nothing at all, Niall. All I'll say is maybe next year, Carabao Cup's not for everyone. Pompey played last night as well in the Papa John's Trophy or Bristol Street Motors and we held we held five to AFC Wimbledon of League Two. We were 3-0 down after 28 minutes. So I'm out of this now. You two can <laughs> join in your misery. I'm out of this day. <laughs> so final game of the Carabao Cup quarterfinals is tonight. Liverpool against West Ham at Anfield. So Chelsea, Middlesbrough, Fulham and one-off Liverpool or West Ham will be the semi-finalists. Who's going on to win the competition, Joel? And why is it Liverpool? Fulham. I'm back in <laughs> Fulham. I like Fulham this season. I'm real credit to them. We're going for Fulham. Marley? Liverpool. Can't bring myself to support Middlesbrough for the rest of the tournament. So Probably get a ticket in the Wembley, though, because I don't think Middlesbrough is physically big enough to fit inside <laughs> Wembley. Well, what do you think? Let us know via social media. The links to those are in the description. So is the link to our Telegram group. And you can join the chat. Lots of Premier League discussion and Club World Cup discussion as well at the moment from the few City fans that are in that group chat. And you can join it by clicking the link in the description. You can also hit subscribe on this podcast feed or follow or whatever it might be on your preferred listening platform to never miss a show again. But from Joel Marley and I, that is it. We'll be back tomorrow on FSD. We'll speak to you then. Football Social Daily is a voice work sport production for the Sports Social Podcast Network.